Hi guys, I am back after an awesome weekend at a heart failure synopsium. Um, I learned so much and confirmed so much in the treatment of patients with heart failure. I would say 20 to 40% of the patients that I see in clinic have heart failure. And so it was a really uh, important, beneficial, and relevant conference for me. Uh, One part definitely saddened me towards the end. They had a patient panel with some people who were post-heart transplant and left ventricular assistive device, or LVAD. And they talked about um, some of the hurdles to uh, going through that process. And it really sat heavy on me that a lot of us in my culture are not going to be candidates for these uh, type of therapies, be it heart transplant, be it uh, LVAD, because to get on the transplant list, you have to meet a number of criteria that I am afraid a lot of us don't meet. The biggest portion of that was social support, um, and a lot of that social support has to do with available caregivers, you know, somebody who can be with you all of or most of the time, especially in the uh, interim period, whether you're waiting for a heart uh, or whether you have a newly transplanted heart. Because a lot of us are working, because a lot of us don't financially have the money. Listen, these people had to pick up and move to Seattle for, uh, be prepared to be in Seattle for three months. And one of the guys on the panel said, we had everything ready in two days. We got the call and we're ready to go in two days. And I just thought, you know, this is when I just want to break down and cry in these rooms I was the only black female medical provider in the room. Um, There were only two other Africans in the room, one registered nurse and one internal medicine physician. And I love my African cousins, but I think a lot of times, because we don't have that shared American history, the understanding of what we go through as black Americans is kind of lost. Yes, that was a dog that barked because I'm not in my office today. I'm at home. (laughs) Um, So pardon the background noise, but it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. This is not a viable option for most of us. And if y'all get sick of hearing me talk about blood pressure, if you get sick of ta- hearing me talk about exercising and eating, I mean, I really want you to understand why heart failure is caused by diseases of obesity, poor nutrition, excess weight. Uh, what heart failure is is when your pump is weak, when the, your heart doesn't pump well. And it doesn't pump well because, you know, the coronary arteries are blocked, which, again, is a condition that comes about by uh, poor diet, 
you know, inadequate exercise, genetics can play a role, but we do have pills for that. And I know that we are very um, prescription drug averse culture, but when I look at outcomes for us and other people, it, it breaks my heart. Like this is the whole reason why I'm here. The whole reason why I do what I do, because I was that kid who lost my aunt you know, when I was eight, who lost my grandma, when I was like nine, who lost my other grandma died at when she was 34. You know, my daddy was only seven. Um, my grandfather died in the 60s uh, from kidney failure. My grandmother died in her 50s from heart failure and, and pulmonary hypertension. You know, so these are things that are so near and dear to me because I've suffered so many losses by uh, preventable conditions. And the way we prevent these conditions is taking dang seriously our blood pressure. You know, to get even more personal, I look at my mom who lives in the same house with me. My mother is 30 years older than me. And sometimes I look at her and I, and I feel like I'm looking at where I will be in 30 years if I don't take dang serious Controlling my blood pressure, controlling my cholesterol. But I also want to mention that nobody there wanted to initially, right out of the gate, start their patient on medication. Like, prescription medication is not something that we take lightly, it's not something that we do willy nilly. It is when we have tried the lifestyle modifications and they either were not enough or were not realistic for the patient that we're treating, then we bring in medications. If you work 50 hours a week in a, at a desk job, you have a sedentary lifestyle. Unless you're running to work and back from your house, you really can't offset that, it takes one hour of physical activity to offset eight hours of sitting. So let's break that down. Most people who work full-time work eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, right? They would need five hours of a week of exercise to offset the 40 hours that they were sedentary at work. Sedentary just means sitting around so if you're sitting around all the time, then you're sedentary. How many of you get outside, get in the gym for five hours a week? I will be the first to say I do not. I go to the gym three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm there for 45 minutes to an hour. And then on the weekends, I like to go for a hike or take the dogs for long walks outside. Um, so at best, I might get four hours a week in the gym, and I'm intentional about it. I mean, my gym bag is packed, and it's in my car, and I have to pass that exit to come home, so I'm really without excuse. I'm somebody who's working in medicine, who's seeing the outcomes of not exercising enough every single day, all day at work, and even I don't get five hours of exercise a week. So... What does that boil down to? It boils down to I'm carrying some extra weight and I take a medicine for blood pressure. And I know a lot of you listening are probably like, 
you know, that's so daunting, that's so depressing, that's so whatever, but it's so necessary. My grandmothers did not reach their 60th birthday. My dad's mom didn't reach her 40th birthday. You know what I'm saying? My mom, you know, has been through hell in the past couple of years because of end organ damage from hypertension, you know, from prolonged, uncontrolled, untreated, high blood pressure, her whole aorta ripped from top to bottom. She had to have multiple surgeries, open heart surgery, lay down on the table, heart lung bypass, seven hours. She's never been the same. She's never got the full quality of her life back. And and it's honestly really not feasible for her. She's still here. She still gets to do things she likes to do. I feel so ridiculously blessed that she lives with us. My children have something that I did not have. My mom is probably not going to be too cute on me telling you her age. But she's lived longer than both of my grandparents, my grandmothers, and my children have had more time with her than I ever had with either of my grandmothers. So we're blessed that she's still here, but we can do better than that. I can do better than that. And I do it by being as intentional as I can. Because let me tell you also, if I didn't purpose to get in the gym and get outside and eat good and you know, manage my stress as best as I can, which exercise helps a lot with, by the way, I would be taking more than one blood pressure pill. I'm happy to report at one point I was on two medications, spironolactone and hydrochlorothiazide, and now I am back down to just one pill to control my blood pressure, um, which I hope to be able to give up, um, but I'm in no hurry. I know what it's protecting me from, and that was especially highlighted at this conference I just came from, where affluent white people who had um, the money and the social support were able to have life-saving procedures and are able to move forward with quality of life, and I know that that is not readily available to me and to us. So I will continue to work my hardest to secure the future for myself and encourage you all to do the same. Now, I'm going to take a quick break and be back with our incredible guest, our sister, Charmaine Jones. Did you all know that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month? By now, you've probably seen the pink, the races, the ribbons, and hopefully you have been paying attention. For the first time, incidence of breast cancer in black women is equal to that of white women. That's huge. That means we are making strides in identifying, diagnosing, and treating breast cancer earlier than we have been previously. 
Black women under 35, however, have a higher diagnosis rate than their white counterparts and are three times more likely to die from breast cancer. Listen, it's the most commonly diagnosed form of cancer in black women, and we are more likely to be diagnosed in stage four. Early detection is key. Do you know the signs and symptoms of breast cancer? They include feeling a thick area in the breast, dimpling of the breast, crusting around the nipple, a red or hot spot on the breast, new fluid coming from the nipple, skin sores, bumps, a growing vein, sunken nipple, new shape and size of a breast, orange peel skin, or a hard lump. Now, if I went through those too fast, go to knowyourlemons.com and you can review them again. Now, screening mammograms are covered by most insurances starting at age 40. Were you listening? I just said that we are more likely to be diagnosed under 35 than our white counterparts. So what do we do if the mammogram is not covered until we're 40? Well, did you know you can ask for a diagnostic mammogram if you have any of these findings or symptoms? Screening mammograms aren't recommended and are usually not covered until age 40. However, diagnostic mammograms can be ordered when you find those signs or symptoms. All you have to do is go to your primary care provider or your gynecologist and let them know what you found. Hey, I've been through this process myself and it was terrifying. I'm not going to minimize it for you at all. I found a lump in my breast. I talked to my gynecologist about it. He repeated my breast exam and ordered a diagnostic mammogram. That was on a Monday. I had to wait till Friday to have the test, and those were a long five days. Luckily for me, it was just a cyst. But sometimes I imagine if it wasn't, and what it would have meant if I would have let fear prevent me from getting checked out. Don't let fear prevent you from getting checked out. Knowledge is power. Be empowered, ladies. Early detection is key. That way, cancers can be found and treated in a timely fashion. Some of the risk factors for breast cancer include age. Most cases, women are over 55. Starting your period before age 12 menopause after age 55, a family history of breast cancer, genetic mutations, that's BRCA1 or BRCA2, a personal history of another cancer, a history of radiation treatment, long-term use of birth control pills or hormone replacement therapy, excessive alcohol consumption, and no pregnancies, or a first child after the age of 30. Also, excessive body weight, especially after menopause. So, reduce your risk by controlling the risk factors. There's nothing we can do about aging, being female, or when we started our period, but we can lose excess weight, decrease alcohol consumption, and have a conversation with our healthcare provider 
about our hormone therapy, birth controls, or hormone replacement therapy. Check out the link in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the show. I love this woman so much. I don't know if you guys have ever met somebody that you just right away were like, oh, okay, my spirit bears witness to this person's spirit. We are kin, um, so, so sweet. And I, I hope you'll go and follow her on social media. I hope if you're in the DC area, you will see what events that she's participating in and show up and support our sister, Charmaine Jones. Well, hello, Miss Charmaine Jones. Hi. How, how are, are you, Devin? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I have to tell you, I've been recording the podcast for 15 or so episodes, and I keep reaching out to listeners saying, hey, guys, what do you want to hear about? What do you want to know about? And the number one thing I always get as a response is, help me with this eating thing. I'm a family Mm -hmm. nurse practitioner, and I help manage chronic illnesses. I help, you know, with preventative care and just helping people stay well. But when it comes to the basics, the very basics, uh, a lot of times people just don't know where to turn. And I kind of want to just start by talking about what a registered dietitian is, because there are a lot of, um, you know, internet experts and (laughs) nutritionists and dietitian and all these different labels that we hear. I'm in the medical field, so I know if I want this info, I'm looking for RD. But can you explain to people who don't know what a registered dietitian is? Of course. Um, A registered dietitian nutritionist is the nutrition expert. Um, We are credentialed. Um, we're totally different from nutritionists, regular nutritionists or holistic nutritionists. Um, we are evidence-based. Um, we are evidence-based professional group, which means that we practice based on what the science and what research um, has proved or showed um, that works. Um, we are more clinical as well. So we have an intensive clinical background where we do an internship in a clinical area where we practice and learn medical nutrition therapy um, to provide um, those individuals who are suffering from chronic illnesses such as diabetes, um, hypertension. So we have those tools and those skills, um, I should say skills, to provide um, therapeutic um, counseling and um, information to those who are living with a chronic condition. So that is the big difference between a, a registered dietitian and a general nutritionist. Gotcha. Um, so we do position ourselves as the expert because we are the expert when um, providing proper nutrition education and recommendation to the public. And it's such an important role because a lot of what I talk to patients about in clinic is the pathophysiology of their disease. It's the medications that we're using, the side effects, the interactions. We don't often get to really dive deep into 
their diet. Now, I often, with my heart failure patients, I'll do a 24-hour diet recall. And this is Mm -hmm. the most teaching I do. This is probably going to make you cringe. (laughs) But this is the most I do in in a heart failure appointment is I have, you know, those pans with the four different colors. Don't take my pen. I'm serious about my pen. <laughs> I, I have them list off everything they had to eat and drink in the past 24 mm-hmm. hours. And then with green, I circle all the great things because I never just want to you know, make people feel bad for the mistakes. I always want to highlight what they're doing well, if it's water, if it's vegetables, so on and so forth. And then with my red pen, I will circle the things that we need to look at, work on, and provide some written education, usually with heart failure. That's about dietary sodium. Um, right. That is that is the most I can do um, in in a visit, in an office visit, because we're pressed to do, you know, the history and the physical exam and all the meds and all of that. So I'm just so grateful uh, to found to have found someone in the community who is who is doing this work. Now, a lot of the people that were reaching out about nutrition uh, wanted to know some pretty specific things. It's the convenience foods that a lot of my clients struggle with. They don't have the time. Uh, and that's what it boils down to. They're driving through, yep. they're ordering in. And so people were wanting to know if you had to create a transitioning to healthy eating starter kit, what things would be in it? What would be in that kit? Okay, what would be in that kit? Well, first, I because um, we do have a transitioning starter kit, and we do put things in that kit. First thing that I would <laughs> definitely always have is some uh, a step-by-step guide of what is healthy eating. Okay. That is so important because people still don't get what is healthy right. eating. And healthy eating can be as simple as you think it is. Um, the second thing that I would definitely include in that um, kid is how to read food labels, right? Because most people think when they go into the grocery store, they're picking out the best food. But um, if you do not understand exactly how to read the label, it can, picking out some healthy foods can be very misleading or so-called healthy foods. Right. You know, food marketers have a way of marketing certain things that make you believe that this is the best thing ever. But if um, again, if you if you don't have that um, that skill in reading food labels, you can get misled and buying things that you could could have just bought way cheaper mm. and tastier, you know, and get the same nutrients. Um, another thing that I would have in my snack kit is a uh, some healthy snack combinations. You know, that is one thing that we go wrong with. And a lot of people are um, always, um, they miss that step of what to have a snack, you know. So um, I always tell my clients a good, well-balanced snack is um, one, if you have a carb and you must always have a protein. So a carb and a protein always work together. For an example, um, 10 grapes and a, um, and a string cheese. That is 
perfect carbs that is portioned properly. And um, notice I didn't say a bunch of grapes. I said 10 grapes with um, a, a string cheese or with a handful of almonds, which is equate to like 10 to 12 almonds. So you definitely need a combination of um, healthy snacks. And also a lot of us are busy. So we definitely need that combination when you go to the convenience store like 7-Eleven or a fast food place. What to get and still be, you know, help, you know, have a healthier option. So those would be something that would be in my starter kit. And last and not least, beverages. We always go wrong with beverages, whether it's an iced tea or um, sweet tea or whatever. Beverages will be something that's always in my starter kit because some people just drink their calories when they should be actually eating some of those nutrients from whole foods um, to sustain um, their health. Wow. Okay. You know I know what? that was a lot, right? No, it was a lot, but you know what? I was expecting it to be a lot harder than that, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I was expecting, you know, how people are counting carbs now and they're doing all this stuff where macros and micros, and I get, mm-hmm. I just shut down when I hear that. But the tips that you have were really, really simple. So thank you. Yeah, for that. and that's what makes, I think, I love my job is because we provide simple recommendations. Nutrition is not complex at all. It's not, you don't, a lot of people try to get so into the science because there's so much information out there on the yes. internet, like the macro, yes. macronutrients. Macronutrients is simply carbs, fat, and proteins. <laughs> you know, they make you <laughs> seem like it's this big thing, right. but it's just broken down into just your proteins, carb, and fat, you know, and sometimes anything that can give you calories. So it's just, um, it's just, um, being able to simplify things. And that's what make, um, that's what I, um, dietitians are needed because we can take that information and make it so simple because people already have and are bombarded with so much information. The last thing you want to go into um, into a restaurant or a store and say, what should I eat? You know, you, right. you want to make something simple. Right. Well, that was a load off. I have to tell you. Um, mm-hmm. The other question, uh, another question is what meal planning recommendations do you have for busy families with after school activities? And I know that's a very specific question, but when I saw that, I had to think about my own life. I have two of my three children are, are still at home and they have band after school. They have track after school. They have basketball. Mm-hmm. And not only are they coming in and taking off clothes and changing into different clothes and turning around, but my husband and I are rushing in and out and doing that similar thing. You touched on that a little bit with the last question, those good snacks with a carb and a protein. What about dinners? What about this kind of after school window? Yeah, so I always encourage people, choose a day that is the least busiest day. Most days are Sundays because you're chilling on that day. You're relaxing. So that day, I always recommend 
um, for dinners. Oh, try to make two to three meals at one time. So mm-hmm. it seems like a lot, but it's not. So you choose one protein, hypothetically chicken. Why can't you do a chicken stir fry and you can take the, re- the remainder of that chicken and make a chicken salad? And um, or you could take an or you could take some more of that chicken and make chicken pasta. So though you have one protein and you just made three meals that mm-hmm. you can definitely prepackage and store it. And then all you have to do is just warm it up when you get home. So it, it seemed like a lot of cooking, but it's it. It, in the long run, it saves so much time yeah. throughout the week, and it definitely saves money. You know, yes. you can just <laughs> and it's healthier. You know what's in your what's in your food when you go to a restaurant. You typically eat what they give you. So if they load your French fries or your pasta up with salt, you only eat that. Mm. So you have that um, control when you home a whole chicken. Half can be used as chicken stir fry. You can get frozen vegetables, quickly um, saute, stir fry that. Then you can, on the, at the same time, boil pasta, add a little bit more vegetables from the stir fry to the pasta. And then you have chicken salad, low-fat mayo, chop it up with onions, and that's it. It's so completely easy. It's brilliant. Three meals in three for three days. And you're already you're in the kitchen. Go ahead. Like, I'm already in the kitchen. I'm already in cooking mode. Like, that's brilliant. I, I never thought about doing more than one. I'm just like, oh, lucky family. They get to eat home cooked today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always like, you could just do one, pro- like I said, one protein can make three or four meals. You yeah. know, um, try to get whole chickens and whole meat. So you could just chop it up and just make, oh, I mean, and stews. And soups are the best. Uh, You're just saying so many things that I love. And I hope the listeners are picking up on this, too. You mentioned pasta. (laughs) You know, if you listen to all the stuff that's out right now, pasta is the devil. But not if you're making your own. I tell my (laughs) patients all the time, cooking is the key. Right. There's so and much carbs are not the devil, jeesh. You know, they're really not. They're good. And everything we pretty much eat has carbs. So why do you want to eliminate a whole food group? I don't. Just to, right, I, right. I love carbs. I know. And all you have to do is just portion it mm-hmm. and select better types of carbs. No one told you not to eat carbs. We just tell you to eat better choice carbs. You know, mm. everything pretty much is have some type of carbs in it. You can eat carbs and not gain weight unless you have a, a like a specific problem, medical condition like celiac disease or irritable bowel disease sure. or something like that. But for the most part. I mean, a half a cup of pasta, whole grain pasta with chicken is not going to make you 400 pounds tomorrow. There it is. Y'all, that was half a cup and whole grain, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Half a cup cooked. (laughs) Cooked. (laughs) Okay. Gotcha. I got a couple more questions for you. This one I really love. And I have to say, it drives me crazy when patients come in 
and they've heard all about this diet and it works really well for a friend or for a family member. They lost 80 pounds in eight days and now they want to do this. And I'm just like rubbing my temples trying to explain like, you know, when you have high cholesterol, you don't want to do a diet where you're allowed to eat bacon every day (laughs) and sausage and eggs, you know. So this question says, if you had to choose from one of the following diets, which would you choose and why? A, the keto diet. B, a low-fat diet. (laughs) C, a vegan diet. D, intermittent fasting. Or E, none of the above. If I had to choose, I would choose the low-fat diet. Okay. I would choose the low-fat diet, one, because you're not giving up carbs. Mm-hmm. You know, two, you're, you're, you're making better lean protein choices. So you're doing lean meats, which reduces a lot of fat. And actually, you're, you're going towards a lower, um, a lower you, you're actually lowering your risk for um, developing um, high cholesterol right. or obesity or some type of cancer that it all correlates to a high-fat diet, mm-hmm. you know? So um, you, you're, you're eating consistently throughout the day. Yeah. So you're not eating every eight hours. You know, you're eating consistently, but just choosing better options. That's it. You know, Um, so low, a low fat diet is definitely what I would choose. And most importantly, you increasing your fruits and vegetables. So that is a diet that I believe is the best diet for someone who wants to stay healthier, who wants to, you know, live a healthier lifestyle and not be bothered of, um, of being deprived for number right. one. Cause when you go into go on a diet, you definitely cut out a food group that take away some of your favorite foods and then you become deprived. Mm-hmm. So deprivation on a, you would not experience that on a low fat diet. You just choosing better, um, better um, protein options. Um, And you can still, even on a low fat diet, you can still enjoy your, your, um, one of your favorite desserts. You just share it, you know, (laughs) to cut out some of those calories. That is considered a low fat diet. Wonderful. I I was curious if you were going to pick the vegan diet because there's so much of that, um, discussion happening online and in the world. And one of the things that I notice with my vegan, not all my vegan friends, I have some vegan friends who really are, are just, you know, plant-based and um, everything like that. But one of the things that I notice is there's so many meat substitutes that are so full of some stuff. And I look at the label mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can't pronounce 
this stuff? <laughs> what am right. I looking at here? And just because you adopted a vegan diet doesn't equate to healthy because a lot of vegans are not healthy. First of all, sometimes they fall short of protein of their daily protein recommendations. Right. They kind of become deficient in iron, vitamin B12. Um, you know, they are they lack a lot of energy. They become fatigued. Mm. And yeah. most time, most um, vegans become junk food eaters. What is junk food eaters? People who eat um, processed, um, processed um, non-vegan, I mean, what is it, processed vegan meats or vegan substitute meats. Right. Well, that's, that's considered a junk food vegan. It's you not, know, eating yeah. more carbs like french fries. You might as well just eat the burger with, you know. (laughs) Get your protein with your (laughs) carbs. You know, so they are, you know, a lot of that processed vegan um, meat substitutes that's in your grocery stores are considered literally um, junk food. So if you're going to do a vegan diet, you definitely need to speak with a registered dietitian to help you get started the right way mm-hmm. and to monitor you and make sure that you're including all of those nuts and seeds and meeting your recommendations, um, um, meeting your carb recommendations, your fat recommendations and protein recommendations so you can sustain um sustain your body and yeah. uh, and sustain a realistic healthy lifestyle right i notice a lot of times too with my cl- clinic patients that they eat the same food over and over it's like the diversity <laughs> of food is so great i mean just when you say nuts there's so many different nuts, so many different seeds, so many different vegetables. And, you know, you can cook your your meats so many different ways. And I find that we just kind of get in this cycle, in this rut where we eat the same things over and over. One of the things that I've been trying to do, which has been really fun, is trying to eat the rainbow. And so every day I'm like, okay, I need some orange. I need something yellow. I need something purple. It's really Either variety. Yes, Devin. And when you go <laughs> to the organic section, so what I do, I don't always buy organic. And maybe you can speak to this, but... Um, I'll go to the organic section just to look at what's in season (laughs) and then go buy it from the regular section because it's so much cheaper, especially if I can peel it or it has a skin. But yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've been doing lately and really enjoying. And it's really opened my mind to how many different foods there are. You know, yeah, I was one of those people, too. I had my 10 meals that I would make the family and this is what we ate. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, well, with organic, um, be careful with organic, too, because organic um, can be a lot of it could be a lot of hype around organic. Um, actually, the same um, nutrients that you will find in an organic orange is in the same nutrient in a conventional orange. So a lot of times people are caught up in the pesticides and all of that stuff. But try, if you think about it, if your food didn't have a little bit of something in it, it wouldn't be sustainable in the grocery stores. Right. So even organic foods must have some type of um, 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 chemicals or synthetic 
um, material to keep it, to, um, to, to hold it in the grocery store or else you may see a worm coming out your um, apple, see, you know, or you, the you the the, apples or the fruits, or the fruits and vegetables may go bad easily. Right. So, um, um, uh, just be very careful um, with a lot of that marketing um, tactics and strategies around different foods, especially organic. Mm. Um, but um, and organic again is a person; it's a personal choice. Yep. It comes with a premium price. <laughs> you know, if I if I say do organic, the closest thing is supporting your local farmers, um, supporting your local farmers, um, or Getting into the habit of getting your own, getting your own green thumb, um, start growing your own um, herbs and vegetables or some fruits. So um, that is true organic because you know what you're doing to your um, your your fruits and vegetables. But um, yeah, um, this based on research, um, the same nutrients are found in this. Um, in organic and conventional, um, and conventional foods. So yeah, this has Be been nothing but good news. I was really like, you know worry that it would be difficult or it would be this, that, the other. Y'all see, when you talk to a registered dietitian, <laughs> the expert on the subject matter, we make it so much more complicated than it needs mm-hmm. to be. Now, I know... Y'all really do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, even when my clients come, they be so stressed. And I'm like, why are you so stressed? And they were like, I don't know what to eat. I'm like, well, what do you eat? <laughs> and then they get to tell me. And I'm like, okay, let's just make it... A, let's just cut some of the portions down. Yeah. You know, let's just tweak it a little bit. You know, yeah. it's not... I don't know, y'all. It sometimes it stresses me out. We do too much. Well, I know you probably have a message for the community. I'd love to for you to take a minute and just share with the listeners. You know, um, whatever whatever's on your heart to share. Um, Listeners are all ages, mostly uh, twenty to seventy. I think I haven't had anybody check in. Um, over 70. If you're out there, let me know. And also, please tell us where we can find you both online and in person. I'm ready to go look at this starter kit myself. You mentioned that back that you have a starter kit um, and some resources. So we'd love to know where to find you as well. Okay. So I um, one of my messages is um, I always tell um, everyone that I come in contact with that when you decide to get on this on this healthy eating journey, it's a journey. It's a lifestyle. It's not a marathon. You don't have to rush into anything, and you can just take baby steps into making healthier decisions and eating. Um, healthier foods. You don't have to go vegan tomorrow. You don't have to stop eating carbs today. Mm -hmm. You could just make simple changes, baby changes, 
to improve your lifestyle. And don't forget exercising. Exercising is one of those things that we always miss out on too. And you don't have to go and do a high intensity um, exercise that just have you just flabbergasted. You could just take a nice walk, you know, 30 minute walk on a treadmill just for clarity. Um, So look at healthy eating. Um, This journey is not only just healthy eating, but it's a spiritual journey. It's a wellness journey. It's getting you back in one is eating healthy, exercising, self-care. All of those things go hand in hand. So you always want to, like I said, take your time. And even if you feel like, even if you realize or you say, oh my gosh, I ate this, that wasn't, I wasn't supposed to eat that. It's okay. You can start back over tomorrow, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and food is for us to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And just like Devin said, eat the rainbow, eating a variety of fruits and vegetables, Um, making half your plate green leafy vegetables, eating only a hand, um, a palm size of three to four ounces of lean meat, um, making your starchy vegetables a half a cup. Those are little things that we dietitians tell people. We don't tell people stop eating carbs. We just say choose better carbs. Make half your grains whole. Um, For some good resources, go to my plate. You know, um, Michelle Obama did a great job with getting that information out there. Um, Go to um, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics to find a registered dietitian in your area um, that that can specialize and help you um, um, help you with um, cultivating or getting a good life, um, choosing a lifestyle that is for you, and most importantly, realistic. So the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics lists all dietitians that's in your area, um, you know, um, that you can just seek out and find that guidance. Um, You can find me at Food Jonesy, F-O-O-D-J-O-N-E-Z-I. I'm mostly active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can also visit my website and look at the um, the events that we're having. We always host cooking classes, healthy cooking classes in the DMV. So you can take a look at what we do. And if you just want to shoot us an email and um, ask questions, we have a, I have a we I work with a team of awesome dietitians and chefs that can answer your questions. Um, uh, we love um, getting questions and receiving feedback. So let me know, or if you had a question while we're talking on this podcast and it just came up, shoot it to Devin or myself. So um, again, go to my website and um, see what we're about at foodjonesy.com. I can't thank you enough for agreeing to come and talk to the people about the number one concern they've had. And you guys, how much nicer was that than we may have expected? I know it was nicer for me. We can still eat 
We just have to make (laughs) (laughs) better choices. Listen, there are smoothie and juicing diets right now that are really popular. Intermittent fasting is like sweeping through my office. Can I just tell you, if I go 10 hours without eating, I don't need to be managing anybody's medications. (laughs) You know, I'm in a fog. Um, I don't see how people can go that long. I have some people that came in here that was intermittent fasting, and they were so sluggish. I felt like, <laughs> I felt so bad for them. I was like, if you just eat, you'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. And then he went on a, and this one guy went on a trip, and he came back so vibrant. He was like, I was eating, I enjoyed I was like, yeah, <laughs> you look vibrant. You don't look so sluggish. Right. So if you do intermittent fasting or any fasting there is or diet, you always should check with your nutritionist dietitian so they can help you, yeah. you know, um, guide you, give you some right good resources. Don't try to do it based on the Internet because what one person did does not mean it fits you. Right. And you just don't know the extreme that person went through or did to get to that that weight some people do a lot of cheating you know and don't tell you so just always be realistic with yourself I love that always be realistic with yourself well I will definitely keep in touch and if more questions come in I'll make sure to reach out to you thank you again for taking time out on your weekend to talk with me and with the listeners of the Purple Stethoscope. I'll make sure to put your website in the show notes as well as your Instagram and Facebook. Thank you. Thank you so much, Devin. for listening to the purple stethoscope i'm your host devin nixon family nurse practitioner you can find me on social media at d the np that's on twitter facebook instagram and now patreon if you like what you heard go ahead and share this episode and then head over to patreon to see how you can further support this work Mm -hmm.